1: welcome, welcome, Read My Lips Radio. We are so happy to be here on the Voice America Variety Channel. I'm Red. Everybody's trying to get used to my new name, just Red. It is June 22nd, 2020. Can't wait for this year to be over. And I think you all agree with me. Today is the 173rd day of the Gregorian calendar. We say thank you to Greg, Gregory, Greggy, whoever, whatever his mother called him. We're very grateful for the calendar. It's a leap year, so it's day number 174. And as I like to say, how many days left till the end of the year 192 that means a minute a liquor store opens near you Go find something special for New Year's Eve because we're all going to be celebrating like we never did before to get rid of this year. So you've got 192 days left to do that. I have a very special show for you today. The voice you heard in the intro is Ryan Treasure, my good friend and the VP of everything at Voice America World Talk Radio. And he does a lot of my intros. And we are talking to creatives. I have two very, very interesting ladies. I call them tireless, passionate, compassionate creatives. They're each going to come at the creativity topic from a very, very different angle. Let me tell you briefly who they are, and then I'll do my opening. We have some very famous birthdays today. We can, in absentia or from long distance, wish happy birthday to a lot of famous people. And again, I picked those who were still alive today. I used to do the ones who were gone. We do have a couple of in-memoriam birthdays, though. So first up, I'm going to introduce you to Mackie Musavi. She spells her first name M-A-K-I, and I know I'm saying it right because I'm on Zoom. And she's smiling at me. Bonnie, you got that right. Last name Musavi, M O U S S A V I. She's a transformational coach and a speaker and an author. And her mission is to help professionals who are overwhelmed, stuck, or unfulfilled despite the outward appearance of success. And this may resonate with many of you in the listening audience. Do you have it all? Maybe you have part of all, you've got the home, you've got the house, you got the car, whatever you're doing to keep sane during COVID. Uh, you you might have a, a wonderful family. You've got a great job. You've got money. You've got social connections, everything you want, clothes, jewelry, whatever your wishes are. And you still feel like Peggy Lee had a song. Is that all there is? You still feel that way, but you feel guilty about asking, well, maybe, you haven't ignited that creative part of your DNA. Maybe it's gotten buried in obligations and what do people think I need to do and what am I supposed to be doing? And there's not enough time in the day for me to think outside the box. Well, we'll talk to Mackie Musavi about how she helps professionals find that part of them that is buried under obligations and what do other people think of me? And Mackie is smiling. I think I got that part right. So we can't wait to talk to her and we'll talk about her book. Second guest, well, my other guest, I won't say 2nd we'll be speaking also to Cynthia Flaherty, F-L-A-H-E-R-T-Y. She's an actress, an artist, and an author, and she helps people experiencing the joy of expressing, I'm going to say ourselves through the arts. Cynthia is the founder and director of a 35 year long educational performing arts program for children, which I find fascinating. We're gonna find out where in her heart she found that generosity gene to share her love of arts with so many children, more than 600 children have come through her programs. And I know it impacted communities and parents and siblings. And we're gonna talk about that part of creativity, but even more now, Cynthia has turned her love of arts. She's producing, directing and acting in place for her own community theater company called Cherry on Top Theater. I couldn't think of a lovelier name for a theater company. She also starts and directs many choirs and we'll talk to Cynthia about when she first discovered her interest in what we call the creative arts i'll use that term loosely cynthia so thank you very much to both of you for being here with me i'm going to call this episode where did you leave your inner creative child well maybe you left them at home when you were five years old or ten years old when you went to college or when you got married or when you got that wonderful job or maybe you just never knew where they were. Well, we're going to try and rediscover or discover for the first time your inner creative child. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Radio Red, aka, and my creativity is painting and drumming. I have a band called Red's Hot Mango, kind of strange name, but we play Latin music and we love what we do. We're starting to rehearse again in the garage. I know, masks on, what can I tell you? So let's talk about some famous birthdays. And we have Peter Asher. I don't know if anybody remembered Peter and Gordon. I think his sister Jane Asher dated Paul McCartney back in the day of Beatlemania, if I'm not mistaken. Happy birthday, Peter Asher, born in 1944. I think we call him a young man. Todd Rundgren, American singer, songwriter, guitarist. They're all producers. I don't even say that anymore. Happy birthday, 1948. Alan Osmond, I think he was one of the Osmond brothers. He is. 49 Meryl Streep who doesn't love or hasn't loved one role at least that Meryl Streep has played actress and I didn't know she's a yeah she did sing in Mamma Mia I think I think that was a singing role Lindsay Wagner she starred in the bionic man I think on tv one of those bionic shows Cyndi Lauper pink hair and all doing all kinds of commercials for whatever skin condition she had that she doesn't have anymore girls just want to have fun you nailed that one, Cindy. Yes, we do. How about Erin Brockovich, born in 53 1960 today. Erin Brockovich, there was a movie made about her, starring Julia Roberts. Uh, she was an American lawyer and an environmentalist. We all know about the good she did. Tracy Pollan, you may not know her name. Tracy Pollan is an actress, and she's married to Michael J. Fox all these years through his physical trials and tribulations with Parkinson's and she is the daughter of a famous actor, Nat Paul, and I remember seeing him on soap operas way many years ago. Amy Brenneman, happy birthday 1964 actress, and I think she starred in a a courtroom drama show called Judging Amy, which used her first name as her character. She was a judge. And let's see, Dan Brown, American author and academic, and why in the world did I pick Dan Brown? Oh, because he wrote uh, The Da Vinci Code. Yes. I'm trying to remember. I looked them all. He wrote the Da Vinci Code. Happy birthday, Dan Brown. He shares a birthday with Amy Brenneman. And let's see, today is the passing of the birthdays of four very well-known people. Fred Astaire, birthday, died in, in 1987, but His birthday is today. Dennis Day, American singer and actor. But remember, he danced along with Fred Astaire, I think, many times. Uh, And he sang in movies. George Carlin, who doesn't know about the seven rules of what you can't say on TV. Thank you, George Carlin. And Dodie Goodman, some of you may remember way back in the day an Actress and Dancer. Today is Father's Day on the Isle of Man and Guernsey. And in El Salvador, it's Teacher's Day. And we have to do a shout out. Ladies, I want you to all wave to our good friend, lovely, lanky Laura Legs on Long Island. She's really in Whitestone, but we say Long Island because it starts with an L. She's our LLL, Most Loyal Listener. She emails me after every show and tells me how much she loved my guests, so I can't wait to hear what she says about Mackie and Cynthia. So let's start this fun roundtable today on Creativity. Mackie Musavi, welcome. And Mackie, why don't you give us a little bit of background on you and how you got into the concept of working with high achievers? And just briefly, what does creativity mean to you? Welcome, Mackie. Thanks for having
2: me, Red. I'm really excited to be here. So, I am actually probably the opposite of a lot of your guests because I am a science nerd. I got a master's degree in genetic counseling. I was a science person, turned that into a corporate career at a healthcare IT company. So, very uncreative background. <laughs> um, But as I spent a lot of time in my corporate career, I I was basically the person that you described. I had created a lot of success for myself. I was making more money than I thought I could ever make. I had the status at my job. I could buy the things that I wanted. And I was just a miserable, miserable human being. And so I had to figure out how to get myself out of that. And a huge part of that for me was doing some very deep personal development work to figure out how I got to this place where I was basically following a bunch of rules that weren't working for me, but it was so hard to break free of that when everyone around me was kind of doing the same thing. And I never thought of myself as creative, ever. You know, I was the science person. I was working in a technical field. I liked to write lists and cross things off. You know, for me, and I think a lot of other people like me, creativity is something that we've stereotyped as artistic ability. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it really took me doing some of that deep personal development work to figure out I am a creative person. It's just, it's my medium is not art. And that is how I finally figured out, you know, I can create something different and I don't have to be stuck
1: where I am. Interesting. I never thought of transformational coaches per se, Mackie, as creative people, but with the work you do with quote unquote high achievers, and I want you to talk a little bit more about that. I, I think I'm guilty of that. I suspect Cynthia Flaherty is a high achiever too. She's smiling. And those of you listening to us on radio, we are in the Zoom room and it's wonderful. I can see my beautiful, they're both gorgeous. See them smiling and see them in their environments. And uh, radio on Zoom has just been a revelation to me. So uh, Mackie, nerd, to me, there is a creative aspect to being a nerd. I'm a computer programmer from back in the day, probably before you were born in the, I want to in the mid 19th, I, won't, I never thought exactly. And I was coding in COBOL on a Xerox Sigma 5 CP6, and Xerox Sigma 6 CP5, and in PL1 on an IBM 4341 back in the days of key punch cards, where I'd carry a box with hundreds of cards in it, and you actually sat and punched in the code into the machine. Anyway, I considered... I considered being a nerd in those days creative because when somebody hired you to write a program and I did a whole system for the state of Oregon uh, Community College Division, I ran programs for them and for some service bureaus. Nobody said to you, they said, okay, here's your COBOL, you know your your stuff, you're going to do it a top-down method or whatever, but nobody said to you, it's not painting by the numbers or paint by the dots. Nobody said the program has to look or sound like this. You could name your fields as you wanted to, you could create the flow as long as it worked as you wanted. So to me, programming had that blank slate, that tabula rasa, if you will, of, what is my program going to look like that somebody else's wouldn't? So I always felt a creative rush as a programmer, even though it sounds very unscientific nerdy. So Maki, you want, Maki, Becky, you want to <laughs> respond to that, please?
2: Yeah. I mean, I can absolutely see how that would be the case. And I, I worked at a healthcare IT t- company where I worked with a lot of software engineers and I can see the excitement. I could see the excitement for them whenever we're creating something new, because you're right in that element, there's definitely more creativity. I would say probably some of them felt perhaps a little hemmed in from time to time from by the requirements of what we were doing for healthcare. For me as the science person, you know, it was like, it's just the facts, right? These are the biological facts. These are the things that matter. It was more an understanding of something that had a finite kind of beginning and end. And of course there's research and other things in biology in the field of science that are are more open-ended and absolutely creative. But, from my perspective as somebody who just understood the science and was finding a way to apply it, it didn't feel creative. Mm. But again, that was my own stereotypical definition of creativity, which meant you had to be artistic, which I did not feel that I was, and I still don't necessarily feel that I am. But there's a there's there's a lot of dimension to creativity. and I, I believe the thing that happens to people who are high achievers, who basically, you know, you're taught what success means, you strive to hit the next goal, you strive to hit the next numeric, you know, bank statement or whatever it may be, is that piece of you that wants an outlet gets left in the dust very, very quickly. It's just not something that we give space to, you know, we're, we're busy, busy chasing the thing that we've set as the goal. And we don't usually set a goal for creativity. We think of it as something that's optional. And, and that's where I think it gets lost because you don't make time for it
1: in search of the elusive, perhaps never identified, inner creative child. Thank you, Mackie. Lovely to meet you and introduce you to the audience. And let's move to Cynthia Flaherty. Cynthia, last time I said to a guest, you've been waiting so patiently. They said to me, I'm not patient at all. I thought you'd never call on me. So I try not to say that. Cynthia Flaherty is here in person, up close and personal. That used to be the name of my radio show. Cynthia, would you please introduce yourself? I gave a very brief bio, just a little snippet of what you're all about. And I know you're multi-faceted multi-layered multi-talented lady in the creative arts so Cynthia
3: please tell us who you are. Thank you Red and it's lovely to be here and I couldn't have been impatient because it was too interesting listening to you two. (laughs) So so yes I am I have spent my life in the arts and just uh, not always with freedom I have to tell you sometimes somebody can be involved in creativity and in And even empowering others, but feel like they're a little bit on the sideline out of fear. So at some point, and actually I do know the point it was, I gave up my fear. And I entered in fully with my heart into not only expressing my own own creativity in so many ways. Mackie, I do think it's, there's Mackie, there's so many ways that, that creativity can be lived. It's not just something you do, it's something you live but i entered into a journey to empower others to find their own creativity and that has been honestly the joy of my life Um, i have done it through the stage um, through choirs handbill choirs dance i've choreographed a lot of uh, musicals where i just love to do the dance And anybody looking at me would think oh she's not a dancer no i'm not i have a dancer's heart though and it is just I've just lived my life from one creativity, one creative adventure to another, and it has. When you you said something um, read about how did I find it within myself or something, and it's like, mm-hmm. what I found is that in giving of myself in this way, I received a thousandfold. Um, as I release the creative child, even in children who needed their creative child released what it has given back to me and how it has enriched my life is just beyond, it's a blessing beyond measure.
1: Lovely sentiments and, and I'm glad we're talking about the different flavors, Mackie and Cynthia, of of creativity and the arts. Cynthia, I'd love to know a little bit more about your background, if you don't mind. How did you discover that you wanted to be in theater? Was it in school when you were a child? Did you want to dance? Did you want to sing? Did you want to choreograph? Did you want to get other people together to sing and acquire? Did you how did you come to create a children's theater company? I have some. Friends here who did that for many years in New York and it was I know an incredible amount of work and a great Joy for them and you're the only other person I've met who's ever done that So tell us a little bit of background on how you got started And May I ask what was that fear that kept you from doing your creative love? Go ahead.
3: Well, first of all how I got started I was the fourth daughter in uh, five girls we all played instruments I played the oboe and the violin. I played in a youth symphony when I was a child, but we used to sit around um, on Sunday afternoon and play our instruments together, cello, uh, clarinet, violin, flute. And my younger sister, she kind of never got the hang of it. So it was really more four instruments than five, but she dabbled at the flute, but uh, we sang together. We sang in public together. We would sit around, when we were doing dishes or sitting around the table, we would make up our own harmonies. It just was part of who we were. And I think it's a heritage from my parents who were both very creative people. The fear came from I was at home doing these things with my sisters, or if we were singing in public, I was just little Cindy at that point. I could hide, I figured nobody could really hear my voice. Um, I hope they weren't looking at me, but when I did start my children's choir and I was asked to do it, and there's a real funny story about that, that I can share with you, but I had these ideas inside that were just so, so cool, but I was afraid to do them because I was afraid people would think I was weird. I thought I had to stay within the boundaries of what everybody else was doing. And the very first time that I broke through the fear I had the whole choir, I had about, I think at that time, maybe 60 or 70 kids in the choir. And our closing number, I had them walk out into the audience, just throughout the whole audience and sing to individuals. And it was the coolest thing. It brought people to tears, but I was so afraid to do it because I thought, what if people think I'm just weird? What if they think, you know, I don't want my kids in this program, she's doing, I I can't even, looking back all those years, it's hard for me to recapture the fear. But that inspired me to on a journey of really empowering others to step past their fear. So, that's a lovely story, Cynthia.
1: Thank you so much. Um, There, interesting comment you made about helping children unleash their inner creative child. Uh, Let's go to Mackie. Mackie, have you you work with high high functioning, uh, motivated, high achieving adults. Do you ever get stories from them about, gee, when I was a kid, I used to sing or I used to do artwork or I love my music classes, but I don't have time. Do you ever discover that part of them again and help them go back there, Mackie?
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of the people I work with just, they don't make time, you know, as we talked about. And um, I love what Cynthia said about overcoming fear, because I think that is the biggest challenge with adults as well. Um, And to empower children to learn that very early, that's something I like to call muscle memory. You know, we don't have a lot of muscle memory as adults and overcoming things because we just avoid it for the most part. And you have to rebuild that ability and There's all kinds of people who, you know, they used to paint or, you know, maybe they sang, or maybe there was something like that. And I always encourage them like, Hey, if this is something, you know, you like, this is an outlet you need, because here is the challenge with my type of client, my type of person, high achieving people, especially in the corporate world are very cerebral. Okay. And cerebral is not flow. It's not, it's very analytical. It's where the hamster wheel gets going, all the negative self-talk, limiting beliefs, the fears, you know, they spin on a cycle. And there's been so much research that's shown how important it is to journal, because that's one of the things that I tell people all the time. It actually engages the other side of your brain, the creative mm-hmm. side of your brain in the analytical process, and you can unlock so much of what's trapping you by doing that. And so it's even better if there's an artistic side to that person because that can be even more powerful in journaling, right? Is to just sit down and do something creative and to kind of, it's like distracting your brain, which sounds so weird to say that that works, but it really, you do kind of have to get out of your own way sometimes to let your subconscious mind work some things out instead of your ego constantly interfering in the conversation. So whenever there is a natural inclination towards something artistic i'm like please find some time to do the thing that comes naturally to you
1: thank you mackie i noticed you had a chapter in your book i did i did uh, skim through it today it's very well written i have to tell everybody Uh, mackie give us the name of your book i'm looking at it here but the high achievers guide is that the one that's yes it's the high achievers guide yes i have to tell everybody that mackie writes like a real person she uses some language She prints the language the f-word the s-word and I was raising my fist and saying yes A real person writing a real book for real people who know these words, you know Sometimes I, I don't know if you two ladies have experienced this but I'll be in a, a Group a mixed group or a group where I'm the only woman and a man will say oh And he'll say oh, I'm sorry and he'll look at me like I have delicate ears and I'll say heard the word before. It's okay to give permission because it used to be the worst thing you could say. It's not the worst. Now the worst thing you could say is I like your dress and then you get reported to HR and I'm being a little (laughs) facetious here. It used to be, I'm going to, I'm going to get a little, uh, not political, just a little um, out of the box here. Used to be that it was fun dressing up and flirting with people and complimenting people and being nice to people and you can't do that anymore. And I'm just saying, I miss, I miss that interaction. So I'm not afraid to tell my guests when I see them on Zoom, you're beautiful or I love your tie or that's a great background because we all like to connect, don't we, Mackie? And don't we, Cynthia? We connect on different levels. And sometimes what you express is creativity. If people don't acknowledge it, that's not giving you back that feedback of what you put out there. So let's talk about vulnerability. Let's talk about risk. I'm going to talk to both of you. I'm going to start with Cynthia. Vulnerability and risk, the fear of saying, I have something creative to say, to sing, to dance, to do, to paint, to talk about. Uh, People won't like me. They won't applaud for me. They won't say that's good. They'll say, oh, so you painted. Oh, so you did a dance. Oh, Uh, I used to have a friend who'd say to me, what did you do with the money your mother gave you for singing lessons? Because he told me I was always singing off key. And I thought that's a real back-ass way to That's called, it used to be warm fuzzies and cold pricklies. That was a cold prickly. uh, And he thought it was funny. So Cynthia, what about that vulnerability, that fear of saying, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe people won't like me. Maybe I'll fall down on the stage. Maybe I'll choreograph a number and nobody in the audience will applaud. So Cynthia, how how do you get through that? How did you help coach the children in your theater program to get past the, what do people think of me? That's how I have to value myself. Cynthia Flaherty, go ahead. Well,
3: you know, that fear that that somebody might not applaud, somebody might not like what we do, or somebody might say that awful comment that somebody said to you. It's a fear of our inner self. It's a fear of creativity is what we are as humans. And whether it's picking out clothes that now we're not allowed to compliment anymore, <laughs> or gardening, or doing a computer program that you're proud of, It's an expression of our soul. So yes, there is fear involved. And I'm going to answer your question in kind of a weird way. I had a choir called We Can Too. It was a very snooty name. We Can Too. All it meant is We Can Too. And it was for people who had been told their whole lives they couldn't sing. And I took these people. And what I did, Red and Mackie, is I loved them. I loved them. I loved the people they were. And I told them their worth wasn't how they, how, what, how what their voices sound like, sounded like, that I loved their voices. I ended up with a choir that you wouldn't believe. They, I ended up without a choir because they all graduated out of it into other choirs where they could sing. But what happened in that, in choir rehearsals, it was more like a therapy session because of the wounding to the spirit and the soul from people their whole lives who have been told that there was a part, Of what makes them human that wasn't worthy so for me to step past the fear became almost a life life life-preserving not only for myself but for other people but I think when people are loved truly loved they can let go of the fear so I always tried with the children and I, I will tell you that I sometimes feel like I have 600 children because I love them and they love me. And I still get, like any teacher, I get notes all the time, you changed my life. I remember those days in choir and drama and I love you. But it was the love and the respect and the honoring of the fact that their creativity was a, was part and parcel of their humanity. And they had a right to have a voice. They had a right to dance. Dance, I hope you dance. I, they have a right to it and not to let anybody else's opinion or um, estimation of them to stop them from expressing their God-given right to be a person in this world. Thank you, Cynthia, that's very interesting.
1: I I play drums and I've been playing after all about two months of lessons, I started going to open mic nights at taverns here in the Raleigh-Durham area. And uh, a friend who was another chick drummer, and I say that I'm allowed to say it allowed to call myself a chick drummer, and she was, and uh, she's in her just about 60 and I'm a little bit older and and she signed me up one night and um, next thing i know they call my real name which is not red but it it will be red and uh, they said red come on up and people noticed i had drumsticks in my person i came up and i said what and they said yeah so and so signed you up you're up next and here were these guitar players and bass players and a couple singers they said what do you want to do and I sat down at the drum kit and I took out my sticks and I told them Mustang Sally, which has become pretty much my theme song because it's rock and roll. It's an oldie. It's very happy party song. I love to see people dance and clap and, and Ride Sally Ride is a great chorus. Everybody can chime in. Somebody rewrote that for one of my groups and they call it uh, Z Car Bonnie. Which is another name I go by, and anyway, it's a very fun song. So I found myself in front of total strangers with my drumsticks playing for the first time, uh, in in a small tavern with maybe 30 people there, and it was, Cynthia, it was liberating. It was scary as all get out. It was, it was being and I've been on stage I've led I've hosted bachelor auctions with a thousand I like to say a thousand tipsy women with good checkbooks and a pen in their hand ready to bid on these bachelors for for the benefit of cancer care but this was such a liberating and what happened was I realized Cynthia there was a love coming back to me from the other musicians who had never laid eyes on me never played with me and there was a respect of me just getting up with my sticks and playing with them and it became something I did before COVID on a regular basis. And eventually, I would go out and pick three songs like Keep Your Hands to Yourself, Georgia Satellites, and The Thrill is Gone, BB King, and Mustang Sally. They would play almost 30 minutes with my three songs. They didn't want to stop because I was a reliable in-the-pocket drummer I am who just keeps the music going. And they were doing solos and choruses and instrumentals. And people in the audience would be looking and saying, is she going to pass out 30 minutes and it's hot on this little stage. And I'm always in black tights and red boots. And I got my hair and my jewelry. And my nobody wears a dress when they're drunk, but I do. And the respect that came, it just this feeling of music as a vehicle for camaraderie, for respect, for love, for collaboration. It just overwhelmed me how I'm going to be corny and say how beautiful this was that I had never experienced at that level at a very personal, the six or eight of us in the on this band stage and then everybody in the room paying attention. So I understand about the love. They gave me love that I pre- maybe didn't deserve. Mackie, talk to me. What's your experience with vulnerability? How do you talk to your clients? Be vulnerable, take a risk, uh, get out of your own way. I know that's one of your mantras. So how do you help them find that risk place that it's okay? Mackie? Yeah. So I think
2: what one of the key elements that I work on people with, because it, it, it's kind of where the genesis of fear comes from a lot of people, is to find a way to detach at a healthy level from what other people think of you. And, you know, we all get so attached to, especially in our society, you know, we're very conditioned to make sure that other people are okay ahead of ourselves. We put ourselves on the back burner. It's, I don't want to show up like this because someone might be offended. I don't want to show up like this because someone may not like it. Um, I could take a risk and they may not, li- you know, someone may think that it's stupid or think that I'm not good at this, right? All the things that we've been talking about. But the challenge with being vanilla, what I call vanilla, you know, trying to just kind of walk down the line and... and not shake anything up, is that nobody actually knows who you are when you do that, right? You don't show up authentically. You're not really putting yourself on display in any way. And, and people can't be attracted to you if they don't know who you are. And there's this this thing that we have that everyone is supposed to like us. And I could not disagree more. You know, you're know, you supposed to be who you are. And the people who think that's awesome will gravitate towards you. And you'll end up with very high quality, very well-matched people in your life or you can walk down the middle and always feel this fear that who you are really isn't okay, that you aren't don't have a lot of value, and that you, you have to walk this line in order to hide who you really are in order to be okay. And it's when you can kind of give up that attachment to being liked by everybody that you liberate yourself. And really find the people that you vibe with. And you just can't find those people if you're in this place where you're always worrying about what people think. So I'm always reminding people you detach. And healthy detachment is important in your closest relationships as well as in your the way that you present with strangers, right? It's, it's very stressful. Let's say you have a spouse or somebody who's going through a really rough time. You know, you can either get really caught up in that and, and, you know, compound the problem by getting worked up and, you know, being defensive, or you can remain a level of detachment that actually serves the other person because you can be the voice of reason, ask them questions, help them process, you know, and not make their experience your own experience, which then kind of puts you in the same state of mind that they're in. So detachment, I think, is very key to uh, giving yourself some space to express yourself in whatever way feels right.
1: Very interesting perspective. Detachment. I've never heard of it in such a positive positive way, Mackie. Thank you for that. I'm going to tell you both another little story. Because I love my open mics that I go to so much, I started my own here in my community. And I actually schlepped my whole drum kit in the back of a friend's truck eight blocks to the clubhouse and set up. We put out a whole audio system, microphones, Musicians sign up in advance, they get to pick three or four songs, they send me either the chords or the sheet music, pass it around to everybody, and we show up, sometimes I get 12 or 14 musicians, we're talking, I'm the I'm the house drummer, we get a keyboard sometimes, we get a couple of guitars, we get a bass, we get... Uh, We get people playing variations of any kind. We get bongos sometimes. We get vocalists. We get backup singers. And it's a drop-in audience for the community. Sometimes we get 10 people. Sometimes we get 30 or 40 people. Some of them have been drinking. Some of them wish they had been drinking. I tell them, and before we start, and this is amateur hour, before we say it's two hours sometimes we have 24 songs on my list people have contributed and we try to cover all so two hours 12 musicians an audience let's say of 40 dancing and clapping and i say the only reason you can take your phone out is if you want to find the lyrics and sing along everybody's welcome to sing along no phone calls during the during it's not a show it's not a performance well I, i just discovered that some of my people who love to sing are they sing off key whether they have a hearing problem, it's an older audience, an older group, or they just never were able to be on key. Cynthia, you can appreciate this. So we have a friend who prefaces his name with I'm screaming and then he puts his his first name after it. That's his reputation. I love them all and I go through my list and I organize it. So everybody gets a turn in order. So it would be uh, Bob first and Morgan second and Ken third and Doug fifth and Sherry seventh and, and, uh, and Mickey fourth and Mickey seventh and, and buddy eighth and every, and then we go through the list again and everybody gets to perform. And I say to the audience, before we start, we may play off key. We may sing off key. And that gives you permission to dance and clap and tap off key so everybody gets the same opportunity and they all laugh. That's my way of saying you're not here to, perfor- to hear a performance. This is not rehearsed. This is real people singing, playing. The music they love, and I'll pick a theme. One will be British Invasion. One will be beach songs. One will be songs named after girls. One might be songs about travel. One might be songs about, um, I don't know, about love lost. So I pick a theme every month, and then they contribute those songs. But I will tell you that we have people who can just barely squeak a note out and think they are the next Frank Sinatra, and we love them all. And I tell everybody how welcome they are and how much we appreciate their showing up. And it is some experience. I've had people come up to me and say, this is the most fun they've had since they moved to this community. We've got about 70 or 80 different clubs people belong to, Choices. We're very active 55 plus community, but they say this is the most fun they've had because they get to come and be themselves. There is no pain, there is no booing, there is no, we didn't like it. You don't often see people shaking their heads. I just keep it going. Cynthia, I want you to comment on that. Come and play and sing and be yourself. What do you think?
3: Yeah. Um, so, wow. I was thinking so many things while you were, you were said, but I was just so drawn in by what you were saying. Um, you know, it is, I want to go back a minute to what you go. What, what you said about it being um, like when you were drumming with all those people and the, how the love you felt. So, as I have done choirs and plays, yes, it's about creativity and yes, it's wonderful, but it's also about human connection. And I think when people, and actually Mackie, you were kind of talking about this too, because when you say disassociate a little bit, um, you kind of do the same thing when you're in a group that, that you trust, you let go of your own need to be, to prove anything, to be good enough. And there's a safety That is just absolutely. um, It it unites people, and it unites us on a level that's so much deeper than when we are guarding um, and trying to be good enough for for others' other expectations. Um, You know, I think also read just the whole idea of you. You're here to hear these people and accept them, and to um, honor doesn't matter if they're on key. It doesn't matter. For some reason in our society, we have separated. We have the creative people and they're professionals. Mm-hmm. They're the Hollywood actors and actresses. They're the people that we hear on the radio. They're um, you know, best-selling authors, whatever. You can take it in a hundred different directions. But we don't any longer think that they're just ordinary people. And it used to be that it, that communities sang together and danced together, and nobody cared if they sang in tune or if they could dance. But we have professionalized creativity. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing, Red, when you with that open mic, when you say you you're welcome to clap or whatever, listen off key, whatever it is you <laughs> said, it, it's it's saying that this is about humanity, and it's about creativity. It's not about the, the excuse me, but the airbrushed bodies and um, mm-hmm. advertisements or the soundtracks we listen to that have had all the vocals tuned up with, with the computer. And we're making it human again. And I just applaud you for doing that. Thank you. I, I wasn't looking for that, but I appreciate that. When I get this
1: appreciation from people who... Some of them have wanted to sing and play, but not in a band, not in a structured way. They just want to come and bring their music. I even have a couple where the man sings and we have trouble getting him to stay in front of the mic. And so we usually and I'm off in the corner drumming and I can hardly hear them. And sometimes the audio system isn't working that well. And I'm just figuring, okay, there's a beat I can just, I'm just tapping something to keep keep a basic rhythm for them. But this man and his wife, and she always comes and help him bring his guitar and his amp and all that. They started rehearsing duets of some of their favorite songs. And so she would sit next to him the last few times before we were shut down for the pandemic. She'd say, we're going to sing together. And they did a duet. And it was spectacular. And they were sharing the sheet music. And and we were all playing and accompanying them. And it was just... A, Again, to be corny, it was just a beautiful thing to hear Jim and Arlene singing a duet together. And she strengthened him because he has a very soft voice. She strengthened him with her voice. And I I can't tell you. I have one more story to tell you about humanity and collaboration. About six weeks after I started drum lessons, I decided to join the adult band in the school where I'm going. They have mostly kids bands. And I had to play Aerosmith Dream On, which is a phenomenal song, but it's kind of heavy duty rock and not my music at all. Well, I agreed to do the concert about five weeks later. So here we are at a music venue called Motorco in Durham. I don't know if it's in downtown Durham or, or, the, or Raleigh. I think it's in Durham. The, the lines are, it's very um, hard to tell when you're in Raleigh or Durham here. The borders are, are kind of near me and far from me. So we're at this place and I had to get up on stage and they have, bleachers on the sides but everybody stands and all the parents came to see their children play it was like eight hours of kids bands you know eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds doing beatles and 12-year-olds and 14-year-old rockers and wannabe led zeppelin stars and, and all of that and here i am i get up on stage i thought i would die and i told you i've done stage work for years and i thought i would absolutely i thought i would just pass out it was so scary and in the in the rehearsals I didn't feel people were being really supportive of me. I'd say to them, you know, there's endless choruses at the end of the song. Where do you want me? They said, well, you decide when you're ending and we'll follow you. But it's like, shit, I've been playing drums for six weeks. What the blank do you want from me? Give me a clue here. No, you decide and you make a-. And I said, hey, this is way over my pay grade, kids. You know, this is not what I do. So we got there and it was the end of Dream On. And one of the guitar players turned around to me. This is on stage in front of a whole bunch of people, and he raised the guitar, and he looked at me like, I'm getting ready to do the final chord, Are You There With Me, Red, without a word, and he raised the guitar, neck of the guitar, and he looked at me, and he did, and we came down at exactly the same second, me on the final hit on the drums and him on the final note on the guitar, and we ended the song exactly together and the blood rushed to my head. My heart was pounding. And I thought I finally had a human connection with one of the musicians who had the respect for me to know that he and I needed to do this together. And they had not done that in the rehearsals. This was a brand new experience while I was on stage. I raised my sticks and I just said, "Yay!" and if I could have, I would have jumped right up out of the seat and done one of those Eureka things. It was, uh, Cynthia and Mackie, it was one of those moments where he connected with me in a place where I needed that connection to feel whole as the drummer, and I needed to feel really part of the band. And it was a magical moment I have never, ever forgotten. Mackie, talk to me. Any comments on that connection, that out-of-the-box, daring, caring? Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So what comes up as I listen to that actually is something that I uh, talk to my clients about all the time. I think when you're a high achiever and you're very goal oriented, you think you're the only one that needs to be working towards something, right? I got this. You want to control it. You want it to be perfect. It needs to be a certain way. And most high achievers assume the sole burden of responsibility for whatever it is that they're trying to do. They're not very good at asking for help. They think if somebody is participating, that's a weakness. It's not necessarily a good thing. But honestly, what I have found in my own life, um, so with my book, for instance, you know, I could have taken all of the stories that people tell about how hard it is to get a book published and Mm -hmm. it takes a long time to write it and it's really difficult and What I put in my head was, you know, I'm not gonna do this by myself. However this turns out, I'm gonna need people in this industry or connections or whoever comes across my path to be a part of that journey because I don't know what I don't know and I need those people. And so one of the things that I I talk to my clients about because they do get into that place where there's just this huge burden of responsibility is life is a co-creation. Nothing that any of us do, we don't do it alone. Okay, so let's take you, for example, Red, you've got all these different shows, you're participating in all these different cool open mic things, you have a band, you're not doing any of those things by yourself, you may be the face of some of those things, but you couldn't do it unless you had people behind the scenes, supporting the work that you're doing, right, Mm -hmm. and we all have these different ways in which we may be the star of the show, but we are using people to help us create that, or we are the co-collaborators for other people who are trying to achieve something. Mm-hmm. And so like when I listen to Cynthia talk about, you know, unlocking this, this permission for people to just show up and sing, and who cares if you think it's bad? Like, I'm just gonna love you through that, right? That's a co-creation. Those people would not have done that if you hadn't given, given them that permission it is a really difficult shift in our society that's very individualistic and the way that we think of success as a very individualistic endeavor. You know, I think Cynthia said something about the professional, the professionalization of creativity, which is really amazing. You know, any of those people that we know that are marquee stars, that, that are amazing directors, they don't do anything alone. And we've really got to get out of this mindset that, you know, I'm an island. If I do it, If I don't do it on my own, it means I'm not worthy. It means I don't have value. If you shift to, I'm so excited for people that are gonna be a part of this journey to come into my life. And I don't necessarily even know who they are, but I'm open to meeting those people and letting them come in. And seeing everything as a co-creation, it really just changes the way that life feels. It goes from feeling like a burden to feeling like more of an adventure.
1: From a burden to an adventure. Cynthia Flaherty, love to get your thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thought, actually. And I was thinking as you were talking, Mackie, about the, the fact that really creativity, because it, no matter how it's expressed in our lives, because it, it involves a giving of ourselves, half of it is the receiving. If there's not, if we don't create a culture where where we're free to give and empowered to receive, it, it um, cuts off the creativity of people. And I think in the corporate world, I think that that actually kind of does happen because there are expectations of of you're supposed to produce, you're supposed to mm-hmm. um, meet certain standards of behavior and all kinds of things. And it becomes more about, it's not a give and take. It's like each person is kind of, if you think a long time ago about the little, which I don't think they do as much anymore not in the corporate world so I don't know but the little cubicles I think they're going to go back to it actually (laughs) but where people were living living out their work life in a little space where they were the only ones looking at those little walls where and oh isn't it sad to think about the people who create in their little cubicle they put up their artwork and their picture of their kids (laughs) who looked at it but them and once in a while somebody stopped by so I absolutely, I I really honor what you were saying, Mackie, about that just um, we're not an island. And if we are, then our creativity and our our creativity is so, so, certainly not worthless because we gain from it. Mm -hmm. But what a sad, sad commentary it would be for the creativity of each individual if they were the only ones to experience it. And it didn't enrich our culture and our society. It's about connections.
2: Absolutely. And not competition all the time, right? Oh, so, you know, if you, if you go to from the, the burden of being alone means that you're competing with everyone. And if you're co-creating, those people can be a part of what you're doing. It doesn't have to be me versus you.
1: And yeah. let's let's talk That's a little bit about Cynthia. I want you to preface your next remark on the fact that COVID has isolated us. I'm I'm making so many paintings now. I'm just almost buying canvases in bulk from whenever anything's in. I order it online to reserve it and I go and get it, you know, 10, 12 canvases at a time. I'm running through them like water. I can stay up and paint till one, two, three in the morning just to get out this thing. But who do I show it to? I take a picture and I send it on text to my closest friends or my family and say, look what I just did, because there's nobody here to look at it. So it has become creativity has become isolated. I I don't want to practice drums because I don't want to play alone in the room. So my band is meeting in my garage once a week now. So we have gone back, Mackie and Cynthia, to that isolationism imposed on us restrictions through looking to save ourselves health, whatever you believe about COVID or don't believe. There are people who will not participate on a big group setting, even a limited one anymore. So we are creating Alone and trying to get back to co-creativity Cynthia comment on this first and then Mackie and then we're almost done So Cynthia, what do you think about this need to co-create,
3: but we're doing it in isolation. So any advice? Um, I, well, gosh, I would just say I love I love your idea of sending a text with your, the picture of what you've done But I realized for myself That this is probably the first time in 40 years that I have not been creating Something with other people. Yes and i get depressed and sometimes i don't know why i'm getting depressed um i you know what i think that we have to be proactive about honoring our own creativity and about finding ways gardening is something i do and i'll tell you what the birds and the bees and the butterflies love my garden Mm -hmm. but as i sit out there and i enjoy that nature there is a connection for me it's not the connection with other people and it's one of the tragedies of what we're going through. It honestly is. Um, we don't have the creativity of setting a beautiful table for company and preparing them a delicious meal. We're just, I would say that with, with my husband at home, I've been married for 40 years. And I would say that in finding little ways for us maybe to sit out and have a nice glass of wine in the evening and and just our conversations creative. I mean, there's there are ways to bring the humanity Yep. into what we're doing. But you know, we're stuck. We're prisoners right now. And it really sucks.
1: We are. Thank you. Mackie, comment, please. How do we get past this needing to be a loan? Right. Well, I think,
2: you know, crisis is interesting. And we're definitely in a health crisis that's made a huge impact on every aspect of our lives. But crisis, people have this tendency to think that when you have a crisis, that it's like a brand new set of circumstances and whatever you're thinking and feeling is really unique. And it's, you know, the time that we're in, but the reality is that crisis actually magnifies a lot of our underlying tendencies or our underlying fears. And so when you're in a period of isolation, you have an opportunity to take a look at what's repeatedly coming up for you. That feels very uncomfortable. Some of it is very natural. Some of it is just, you know, the circumstances that we're human and we like connection and we can't have it. But sometimes it's actually things that we don't get an opportunity to slow down and think about that maybe we do need to be working on for ourselves. And you have such a prime opportunity during this time to pay attention to any thoughts or feelings that are coming up repeatedly that need your attention or any patterns that you might be in. And I love the idea of just being very simplistic. You know, what I try to do is take the littlest thing, like if I'm enjoying my cup of coffee and be like, I'm really grateful for this cup of coffee right now. I'm sitting outside. I've been outside more than I've been outside probably in like, God knows how long just to have that, that sense of connecting with nature and just not being stuck Mm -hmm. in my house. And there've been a lot of positives that have come from that. So I think You know, zooming, texting, calling. And I think another really um, helpful exercise whenever you're going through something tough like this is to project six months into the future or think about next year at this time and how next year at this time you're gonna be sitting outside with your friends and family and you're gonna be having a meal and you kind of project a different reality um, just to kind of give yourself something to look forward to.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And I wanna tell you, I have friends in Florida, formerly neighbors in New York who have a cocktail meeting with one couple every Friday night and they actually get dressed up. One of the men showed up in a dinner jacket, the woman in a gold lame top with, with dressy black pants and they, they toast and they talk about whatever. They also have an online bridge game where each husband and wife is on a different computer and in a different room or side by side. And they have, so they have four people playing bridge online as two couples and they've been doing that to help beat this, Isolationism and I just couldn't stop applauding what they were doing this creative passion for staying connected to people We're just about out of time. Uh, Let's just wrap this up I I have to tell both of you Mackie Musavi and Cynthia Flaherty. What a delightful time I'm having getting to know both of you better and I will tell my listeners that I met both of these wonderful people at the National Publicity Summit, the virtual version, 2020, about three months ago. And I was so intrigued by both of them. And I never put guests together, very rarely, I won't say never, with the same topic. So Cynthia with her theater background, and choirs, and children's groups, and and Mackie with her approach to helping professionals unlock and find that hidden, if ever, inner creative child, which is how we spun the topic for the show today. Uh, most people wouldn't have put the two of you together on a show, but I was so confident you'd be so articulate and charming and engaging that we would have a good conversation. So I've certainly enjoyed getting to know both of you better. We have two minutes to close. I want you to both say thank you to Josh, our engineer at the Variety Channel. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate you getting thank us. You Josh. To and thank you for the good sound checks. And I want to ask quickly, uh, what's next for you? And I did say 192 days to buy something special for New Year's Eve 2021. So I did think of that. Cynthia, very quickly, what's next for you? Two sentences.
3: Well, I'm, I'm starting on the, uh, the buying stuff for New Year's Eve tomorrow. It's a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm just going to keep on living each day looking for areas to be creative. And Mackie, you remind me of some of my students. You're young enough to have been one of them and living a life full <laughs> and rich. So lovely to meet you.
2: Lovely to meet you, too. Thank you Mackie, so much. two yes. sentences.
3: What's next for you?
2: I am starting a YouTube channel. So I'm getting ready oh. to step out of my own comfort zone and get on video and start doing some of what I do in a different medium. And I'm looking forward to
1: it you're ready for prime time. I can tell both of you are. I want to thank both of you. I'm aka Radio Red and everybody called me Red, which is wonderful. Rebranding here, read my lips, cool conversations with very creatives. Thank you, Josh. 30 seconds, Cynthia Flaherty. Air hugs to you. Keep on doing what you're doing. Stay in touch, please. Mackie Musavi, I did master your name. I said it. And I, I, I applaud your book. And I love that you just were yourself and used the language. And you, it just hit me. I said, oh, my God, a woman who really wrote what she was really thinking. It's about time. So thank you. Write a novel next. Mackie, I want you to write a novel in the next 18 months. And I'm going to feature you on the show as a new no- I just have a feeling you could write. You could You could collaborate on it. AKA Red signing off. We have 10 seconds. Everybody say goodbye from Read My, my Lips Conversation. Goodbye. Bye. Thank Thanks you. Heart. Be passionate, be compassionate, and just take care of yourselves. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to radiored Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.